Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Uh, I don't know what the monkey is for hello, but Uga Chugga, I it's assume that's a, hello in monkey. It's an ape, Nick. There's sorry, a difference. Sorry, orangutan. Haven't you ever played Donkey Kong? Oh my god, you're right. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of your co-hosts. Today we watched episode 7 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, part 3, Stardust Crusaders, uh, entitled Strength. It covers chapters 130 through 133 of the manga. It wasn't very good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> There's a lot I wish I could love about this episode, but there's just some stuff in it that just ruins it for me, honestly. Yeah, look, I... I we'll, we'll get to it. We'll the concept it. was there, though. The concept is beautiful. The fact that I can't love this week's villain, I can't bring myself to love them, yeah. just because of they're so ridiculous, which I love, but there's just some factors that can't be redeemed about them. Oh. I mean, him being an orangutan certainly worked in his favour. Oh, I like that. At first. <laughs> okay, let's 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 just get yeah. into it. Okay. So we start with our friend Dio. He's in the shadows staring at himself in the mirror. You know, as he is to do. Just constantly, all day, every day, apparently. He's just a really cool dude. Uh, so. There's a candelabra living in the background, of course. Of course. Uh, and he's talking to the old lady, who we learn is called uh, Enya. Ah... Subtitled as uh, Enyaba, which I believe is a localization for copyright purposes name change. And also, I think that in Japanese, ba is a honorific used to indicate like an old person. Right. So like ha- sort of the female version of how um, you would call someone Ji-san, or in Jojo's case, uh, you'd call Joseph Gigi, meaning old man. <laughs> of course, of course. So it's kind of like, she's Enya, but she's old. Yeah. Right. Old woman Enya. Old woman Enya. <laughs> So, Enya, right? Yeah. I know me some Enya. Tell me about Enya. Uh, they have that one song. That... It's, a, it's a person, not a they. Oh, well, yeah. She has that one song that everyone knows uh, that's like, it's about the wind and, and nature and stuff. And she's very into that sort of thing. Honestly, I haven't heard any Enya, but that sounds like basically what I expected. Yeah, look, it's pretty, pretty mild. I know pretty... she wrote a song for the Fellowship of the Ring movie. Oh, yeah, she did, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. shrugging. So that's Enya. <laughs> that is Enya. Basically an Irish singer-songwriter who does new agey sort of Yeah, very stuff. calm. Very calm music. Very chill. Not really my sort of thing, to be honest. Not really anyone's thing, but <laughs> for some reason... Actually, you know what? Everyone in New Zealand loves her. Okay. Yeah, which is probably why she was in Fellowship of the Ring. Like, that soundtrack. Maybe. Maybe. So they're talking about what it means to live, and Dio <laughs> says that it, uh, to live you need to obtain what you desire. Ugh. Oh. Isn't that always the way? Things like money, fame, food, love, a lover, etc. Etc, etc. Pretty much covered all the bases though. But, and this is the, the fundamental condition of civilization mm. and life in general, I guess. When people want to obtain something, there's inevitably a battle. Like some form of cost, almost. Yeah, a conflict. Uh, uh, some kind of barter exchange. Some kind of uh, zero-sum gain. Game. Ah, interesting. <laughs> And if they lose these battles, they feel frustration and failure. And then, in the lead up to the next one, they'll feel fear. Thus begins Jojo's slow descent into behavioural economics. <laughs> and Dio believes that in order to live, you need to conquer that fear. So he wants to live with no fear. Yeah. Uh, the one who stand, will stand at the top of the world is the one who will feel no fear at all. So Enya's like, Dio, you've got to stand, you've got that immortal bod. What, what could you possibly be afraid of? Did I stutter, woman? <laughs> You see, there are these, these guys called the Joestar bloodline. <laughs> you see this star here? Shit's real. Yeah. Enya says that they're trash and no match for his stand. And he's like, okay, I don't fear the Joestars, 
but I fear that I can't underestimate them. Which feels like fearing fear itself. Well, it also just feels like he's trying to justify that what the why he's afraid of the Joestars. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not scared of them, all right? I didn't say I was scared. I'm scared that I might be scared of them, yeah. though. He feels like they're too deeply entangled with his life and that it could be destiny, which we mm. know is a real thing in this. Yes, fate is a totes real. Also, there's a cool thing. shot where he wants he talks about wanting to remove the Joestars from his Wheel of Fortune, which is a tarot card title. Oh. Uh, and it zooms in on his eyes, and behind his eyes we see, like, gears. Like clockwork. Yeah. yeah. The machinations of fate. Ooh. Ooh. Look out. And then he's like, that's dumb. Don't do, don't don't fight them yourself. We've got like seven stand users hunting them down right now, and then she lists off their names. So I know one of them is strength. Yep. Could you remember any of the other ones? Uh, one of them wasn't the jockey, but it sounded like the jockey. It was like the devil or the little devil. There was the devil. Yeah. The devil. Uh, jockey. What? I don't know. Look, I'm very tired right now. That's fair. <laughs> Nick got into the country last night and then yep slept a little bit and then came over here to record. Love me some New Zealand. Um. <laughs> There was... Okay, so there was Devil, there's Strength, there's... One of them looked purplish. On the card. Yeah. Possibly because JoJo's, I don't know. But those are the only two that I can really okay. remember. They were The Empress, The Hanged Man, Strength, The Wheel of Fortune, Temperance, The Emperor, and The Devil. Should have gotten The Wheel of Fortune, shouldn't I? <laughs> hmm. So she's like, don't worry about it, Dio, just chill. Like, these guys will take care of it. You're good. There's seven of them, two... Wait, there's seven of us, two of them... And then, you know... Some hangers, some hangers on. Yeah. Some dudes that will... Uh, they, they don't matter, okay? One of them is like a weird dude who has weird vertical hair. He doesn't... No one cares about him. And then we see the gang getting on the freighter from the end of last episode. Shunk. And then we cut to the OP. Boom. And then that's when we decided, let's watch it on a lower quality. <laughs> because my internet's been real shitty and we had to lower the quality so it would load fast. Australian internet. <laughs> Not even that. Just... <laughs> The worst in Bad service for the last six months or so. That's not interesting for the podcast. <laughs> it could be. You never know. If you have relatable internet issues, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the B-roll right there. I'm real salty about my internet. So they're getting on this freighter. Yeah. Joseph is like, Jojo, do you think there's a stand user here too? And Ponoref's like, I don't care if everyone on board's a stand user. I'm getting off this shitty life raft. <laughs> so Jotaro mentions that uh, he's afraid that... Well, not afraid, but concerned that there would be no one coming down the ramp. Yeah, that, that does seem is, unusual, doesn't even it? Even the ramp is down, it seems like a bit of a mixed bag of uh, yeah. evidence. Everyone else goes up, and then Aang is still in the life raft, and Jojo goes to help, offers to help her up. And she looks at him. And is all like, sure, I'll jump across into Joseph's arms. And she pokes, it, pokes her tongue out at him, and he's like, good grief. I don't understand what the uh, relationship here is, but I imagine it's something to do with the fact that Jotaro uh, sucks. <laughs> what? Well, it seems to me... I don't remember much about the last episode and where she came from. She she snuck aboard their boat. Yes. But was it her... That's right. He did the weird, awkward, like, oh, yeah, she's a girl thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't jump into Jotaro's <laughs> arms, bro. Turns out... This whole freighter is just empty. They can't find anyone anywhere. Ooh. No captain in the pilot house, no operator in the radio room, but all the meters and machines are working properly. There's not even any ominous katakana floating no, around. No, distinct is... lack of ominous katakana. We don't know how to feel about this. Yeah, I don't understand. Should I be scared or should I be overjoyed? <laughs> 
Polnareff says maybe they're all in the bathrooms with diarrhea. In a statement that might become prophetic for him. <laughs> okay. Uh, radio. That, hmm. Well, they are going to Singapore, so who knows? I don't know what that was meant to imply, no, but, but they are going to Singapore. You'll find yeah. out. I do think that in these scenes with the empty ship and just all this, everything going on, the episode does a really good job of just creating a sense of sort of oppressive dread. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, shots of empty hallways and just darkened rooms and... Weird things that are moving, but not by anyone's hand. Like the characters at this stage, we have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So they're in the pilot house and looking around and Anne opens a door and she's like, everyone come in here, look. There's a monkey in the cage. And then who says... Kakyoin, I believe. Kakyoin basically goes, you uncultured swine. That's an orangutan. That's Lanky Kong. <laughs> that is a completely different kind of ape. He has no style. He has no grace. Something, something, something... Something, and then he does his dance. Oh, Nicholas. <laughs> Look, it's been a long time since I've played that game. Me too, but I can remember all the lyrics. Damn it. My nerd cred is diminishing. Uh, DK, Donkey Kong. DK, Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong is here. All right, Cranky, take it to the fridge. <laughs> Walnuts, peanuts, pineapple smells, grapes, melons, oranges, and coconut shells. Go on. Oh, yeah. Walnuts, peanuts, pineapple smells, uh-huh. grapes, melons, oranges, and coconut shells. Oh, yeah. But tell me, is he the leader of the pack? Do you know him well? He's the leader of the bunch. That is the leader of the bunch? Because, like, banana bunch. Oh my god, I'm an idiot. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, so there's this orangutan there. I really like, they do a lot of close-ups on its eyes in this episode, which mm. have a sort of inhuman, unknowable quality to them. Unknowable? Yeah. It, 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 As in, you don't know what it's thinking, or yeah. you don't know that it's an orangutan? You can't know what it's thinking, because it's oh, not right. a human. Yeah, yeah. It's very, uh... I want to say spacey. That's not quite the right word. Alien? Yeah. Very alien. Very like, so close to human, but not quite human. Yeah. It's sort of an uncanny valley sort of situation. Yeah. So this orangutan's there and they're all looking at it. And then Joseph's like, who cares about an orangutan? Let's find who's been feeding it. Let's get out of here. (laughs) I like this moment where they all leave and Anne is in the doorway and she looks back and it's staring at her like Mm. unblinkingly. That's when we get one of the close-ups on its eyes and she just sort of shudders and shuts the door and runs away. Yep. As one is to do with an orangutan that stares at you through a cage as you're about to leave a room. Yeah. Weird orangutan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, on deck, the sailors and Avdol are gathered around a crane. Ooh. And they're just sort of, you know, doing some boat business. Ooh. Oh, because all the sailors from the yacht last time were with them. Yeah. If we didn't mention that. They made it off. Alive. For now. Ooh. <laughs> and a hook. A hook on the crane that they are all fiddling with starts swinging by itself as the others come onto deck and see it. Mm -hmm. Swings down and just fucking fucks up (laughs) one of those sailors. Slams into his neck. Blood goes everywhere. Basically takes off his head. Yeah, and he just lifts up the body up high again. (laughs) And screams. And then Jojo slowly puts his fingers in front of her eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she's already seen everything, too. She's scarred for life. This is that thing from uh, Extras where it's like, yes, and... uh, all of her clothes come off. And no, I it's run not. Off on the grass. It's like that. No, because it's like, oh, but I've seen everything. Right, okay. On the grass. I just don't want to talk about <laughs> Anne in the no, context we're not up of to that all bit of yet. her clothes coming we're off. We're not up to that bit. ruins the whole episode. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Almost, but not quite. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> Potential horror movie illusion here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Potential? Possibly? Potential. Okay. Citation needed. There was a 1980s horror movie called uh, Death Ship. 
mm-hmm. in which a ghost ship rams a um a real a, ship. A cruise liner. <laughs> yeah. And some people survive and get onto a life raft and are later picked up by that same ghost ship and, you know, things on that ship move around and like hooks yep. kill people, things like that. Yeah. Very similar to what's happening here. Huh. And it was released in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Huh. Although, um, according to Araki, for this story he was inspired by the uh, the Mary Celeste. What is the Mary Celeste? That's a ship that was found can't remember the era, but I believe it was a sail ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, just fl- floating in the ocean one day or maybe coming into port with just no one on it. It's, it's a nautical mystery. What happened to everyone on the St. Mary Celeste? Okay. I think going theories off the top of my head, haven't read about it for quite a while, mm-hmm. are that people on the ship assumed that there would be some sort of emergency, say a collision or a, you know, some sort of instrument overload. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, like and some kind of machinery just going haywire. If there was machinery, or... again, I can't remember what mm. era this ship is from. Yep. Uh, and abandoned ship. Right. Uh, but then they obviously didn't get picked but, up in time. Yeah, and then indeed, whatever they thought was going to happen to the ship didn't happen. And right. Despite. Other theories include pirates kidnapping everyone. <laughs> to be fair, not the worst theory. <laughs> More outlandish theories include like alien abduction. I mean, to be fair, we have evidence that there was no one on the ship. There's an episode of William Hart and Lear, a Doctor Who, that takes place on the Mary Celeste, and it gets stuck in like a time loop. So everyone's stuck doing the same day on it over and over again with no memory that it's repeating it. And also at one point in that day, a sea monster appears. (laughs) Why is it only on one of the days? Or is that the time monster? What? So if on one of the days, if they're in the time loop... No, it's every day, which is the same day over and over again. Oh. So wait, does the sea monster, like, crop up every day? Yeah. Every day a sea monster... It's the same day. My god. What aren't you getting about this? I just It's just the same day repeating itself until eternity. But sea monsters, that seems outlandish even for Doctor Who. And then they leave without resolving anything because they're being chased by the Daleks through time. Um, and that's the plot of that. Yeah. Uh, they also <laughs> go to a haunted house, which seems to have a real Frankenstein's monster because the Daleks try to shoot it and it doesn't work. And then when they leave, the Doctor is theorising, like, this must have been a liminal space created by the darkest fears of the human psyche. Because it had Draculas and mummies and Frankensteins. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the camera sort of pans outwards and you see it's like, old-timey Jim's house of horror. So it's just, all in all, great time. But not a great time. It's just a haunted house theme park attraction with real immortal monsters. It's Westworld, but Doctor Who. Anyway, we're anyway. talking about Jojo. Yes. <laughs> Joseph's like, everyone, if you want to live, do what I say. Go below deck and just hang out there. And that doesn't work out well for them in the long run. No, look. (laughs) Yeah. So all the sailors go away. Everyone's like, we didn't see any stand. What could have done that? Hmm? I mean, maybe a stand is lurking somewhere else. Kakuin, get your thing out of here. Yep. Hierophant Green just sort of starts diving into nooks and crannies to see if he can find anyone. It's really weird how he does it as well, because it makes this weird sound. It's like a sort of, it looks like it's sort of slithering, and it yeah. it has almost like a sort of um, ooze bubbling sound. <laughs> it does, yeah. Spine cracking mixed with, like, liquid something. You've got an interesting <laughs> folly imagination, Nicholas. <laughs> I should write a novel that's just like a horror story of just whatever comes into yeah, my head. Yeah, You'd yeah. be real good at a sort of auditory description. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Anya's still on deck staring at them. I was like, these guys, I have no idea. But bad things seem to happen to them wherever they go. Are they jinxes? Should I be avoiding them? I mean, that seems like a sound plan, she given should what's going on. definitely be avoiding them. Yeah. Uh, then Joseph comes up and is like, I'm only going to tell you one piece of truth. We're on your side. 
anyway. seems to me he could have told her some more truth. He could have been like, we have psychic powers. Look, Jojo, pick up that thing with Star Platinum. Yeah, yeah but that seems and a bit of a stretch. that's why we're fighting all these evil psychics. <laughs> seems like a bit of a stretch if you want to keep stands on the down low. If you don't know if you can trust her or not. <laughs> Ooh. So she goes and tries to find everyone below decks. Yeah, and cause... again, I like these shots of her walking through the deserted hallways. They seem really oppressive. Nothing is happening. It's Why is nothing happening? Literally quiet, dot, dot, too quiet. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, she goes into the bridge again. Mm-hmm. She goes into the orangutan room again. And there's the orangutan. Stuck in his cage still. He's rattling the bars. He's like, oh, you want me to open the cage? But I don't know where the key is and you're so big. <laughs> this is where things take a weird turn. So he hands her half an apple. And she's like, oh, what? But it hasn't changed colour yet. It's been freshly cut and with a knife. Huh. Does that mean someone's forgetting you? Surely. The orangutan obviously doesn't answer. And then pulls out a cigarette. Well, first she turns away and we hear a... As he lights a match. He lights a match. Lights his cigarette. And then starts puffing away. uh, Reaches down into like some sacks in his cage and Mm -hmm. pulls out a Playboy magazine. And starts oogling up some ladies. Yeah, starts ogling the pin up. Now, this is about when I thought that he was going to start monologuing. (laughs) And there would be like a secret human voice that was inside this monkey's head. Sorry, Ape's head. Uh, that was like, the name's Clyde. Clyde? I don't know, he seems like a Clyde. Okay. It's like, the name's Clyde. The name's Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> Clyde Bojangles, they called me back in my PI days. In the circus. But I'm retired now. Broken rib. Three, in fact. And then he just, like, turns the page of the Playboy magazine. She walked in, like any 12-year-old would, looking for answers. I didn't have them. <laughs> Because I'm an orangutan and I can't, I can't speak. I can't speak English or Japanese. It's a shame, really, when your name is Clyde. <laughs> anyway, um, she's like, that's weird that you're into human girls. <laughs> Just, I don't and to be fair, it is it's weird. very weird. It's extremely bizarre, isn't it? Also, have you ever seen a male orangutan? Uh, because only in videos. This looks much more like a female orangutan. Mm, it does. Do you want me to pull up a pic of what a male orangutan Please looks do. like? Because Please do. they are dramatically different to females. They've I'm... Got huge wide faces. Yeah. I'm not actually sure if I've only seen a, fe- a female orangutan or a female gorilla. Right. Because I know... I think it, her name was Coco? Oh yeah, Coco the gorilla who could yeah. speak. And yeah, had yeah, a yeah. cat called All Ball because yeah. it had a nub for a tail. And then she killed it. No, she didn't kill it, just died. She killed one of her cats. Oh yeah, she killed one of them. Yeah, that doesn't quite look like our friend Clyde, does it? No. No. Also, the gorilla has a name. It's Forever. Oh. But it, that was only named in an art book about 20 years later. Oh, well, there you go. I canonically believe that his name is Clyde. <laughs> okay. Why is his name Forever? Uh, named after uh, Wu-Tang Forever, the oh! album by the Wu-Tang Clan. Nice! Good reference. Are you a big Wu-Tang guy? Uh, not really, but... No, you know, no, cash, no I... cash rules everything around I've me. heard some of 36 Chambers, but... <laughs> You know, they're, yeah. a good, they're a good group. Yeah, they, they've got a reputation. Solid clan. <laughs> One of your better clans. Yeah. Very few clans have the reputation that Wu-Tang <laughs> yeah. does. So yeah, he's there. And then the sailors come in and are like, hey, don't be alone in this room with this orangutan. It's weird. <laughs> it's a weird animal. It's got five Just... times the strength of a human. It can rip your arm off. This is where things take an even weirder turn. Because all the sailors are back in the radio room trying to use the radio. Mm-hmm. Then Anne is like, oh, I stink. Better go have a shower. I'm all sticky from the salt water. Yeah. Ugh. And this is where just the episode ruins itself for me. <laughs> go on. 
So Anne undresses and has a shower. Uh-huh. And we are subjected to, like, really distasteful, frankly, shots of this 12-year-old girl showering. Here's what I don't understand, though, right? Is that it's meant to be a 12-year-old girl, but she looks like 19. No, she doesn't. Well, it's sort of like, it's getting there. I really gotta beg to differ with you there. Oh, okay, alright, never mind. <laughs> it just makes me uncomfortable. Maybe I'm just repressing the idea of, like, watching a 12-year-old in the shower. Yeah, you just don't, don't want to deal with like, that reality. No, no, it's 19. She's 19, isn't she? <laughs> and then, like, because I, I know, obviously, they're going with it for it to create an air of... Von- Psycho. Vulnerability. Mm. Like, like, say, in Psycho. But... It just makes me uncomfortable. And it's I, weirdly I'm, sexual. I really just don't come to Jojo for that. Yeah. Because as she's showering, we see... Well, first we see the door to the rest of the cabin open mm-hmm. uh, with just a brownish hand on the frame. And in the background, it's just the mangled bodies of all the sailors dun, dun, strewn dun. around the radio equipment. Oh, no. See, and that's what we come to Jojo's like for. arms that have been torn off and... Dudes that'll splain across the walls. A lot of censorship because of all the gore. <laughs> A lot of dark patches, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because the lights didn't reach that bit. That <laughs> yeah, one. sure. Yeah. Well, it's like in a stealth game. You go to, uh, when you've killed someone, you got to put their body in the darkness so it's harder to find. Yeah, like right behind that one corner that is completely black. Yeah. And then, so she's showering and just a shadow looms behind the shower curtain. A very fat, monkey-esque yeah, shadow. Yeah, pulls it aside and he's there. We see his eyes again. It wasn't a monkey at all. He's displaying no visible emotion. Well, some emotion of... Yeah. And this is, like, legitimately threatening. Yes. In a way that is very real for this show, I think. Because she's she pulls a, a towel over herself. Mm-hmm. And he closes her in, like, into the corner of the shower and, like, reaches out a hand to her. Mm-hmm. It's just very unsettling in a way that I really don't come to Jojo for that sort of thing. See, I was, like, kind of almost like, okay, okay, I can deal with this. And then he licks his teeth. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Big creepy rape ape. <laughs> big creepy rape ape. Yeah. Um, ugh, makes me very uncomfortable. His name is Forever. Or Clyde, depending which way you go. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move right along. Okay. Uh, so then Anne get screams. He screams. Everyone's <laughs> screaming. And then Jojo just punches him in the back of the head. This is what I don't get right, is that it's got like this very like, oh shit moment, and then he turns green. Yeah, well, it's, you gotta have your colour palette shit. True, true. You gotta have your threatening colour palette. He's green for most of this fight from this point on. He is, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know if he's actually turning no, green no, or not. No, no, just the colours. Oh, because, oh, okay. For example, Anne's hair becomes blue. True, true, it does. But maybe her hair is always <laughs> blue. Oh, I washed out the dye that was in my hair. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Anyway, Jojo punches him in the head and is like, here's your lock, and then throws the lock from the cage into his head. And this, understandably, makes Forever quite angry. And he's all like, you bastard, in whatever oh, he that says, is in Monkey. This ape is no ordinary ape. So, is this when he bleeds into the wall? Not quite. Not quite. First, Forever grabs Jojo by the collar and goes to roundhouse kick him and Star Platinum blocks it with like a back fist. And that's pretty cool. That's dope, yeah. that shot. They're squaring up against each other, and a ceiling fan in the room comes loose and embeds itself into Jojo's shoulder. Now, at this point, I was like, okay, sure. Jojo no-sells that pretty well. He's just standing there like, huh, a ceiling fan, but I didn't see the stand, and it's just sticking in his shoulder. He's just standing there perfectly. Yeah. Doesn't even grimace, doesn't go, ugh, like they do. Not even a shudder. Just the reaction of, something hit me. I didn't see the stand. (laughs) 
Good grief. <laughs> and then the fan's blades contort in a weird way. When he tries to like reach and like, yeah. pull it out. And slaps him across the face. And he goes flying, smashes through one of the steel doors <laughs> in this freighter. And is flying through the air being like, Huh, again, I didn't see the stand. It I- kind of has like that... Beauty and the Beast candlestick, like, contortion to it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, no! (laughs) (laughs) Well, what people don't realise is that many years ago, this orangutan offended a witch, and every- all the crew of this ship were turned into- into ship furnishings. My god! And he was a sea captain that was turned into an orangutan. That tracks. And only by falling in love and or having sex with a 12-year-old girl (laughs) can he break the curse. That's it. Jesus Christ. That's what it is. This is, this is Beauty and the Beast, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure yep. take. And as JoJo is flying backwards, he's flying towards a window. And all the glass in the window shatters and starts flying towards him. Yep. But then, luckily, Star Platinum is there. Because JoJo is basically still outmatching this guy on every conceivable level. <laughs> uh, grabs all the glass... And then goes to punch. Like, puts it between his knuckles. Yeah. To augment his already sick punches. Almost as though he's making a knuckle duster out of glass. Yeah. And goes to punch forever, but forever recedes back into the wall laughing. Still green, by the way. And then when he emerges, he's orange again, I believe. Yeah. Jojo sort of, he pulls Anne close to protect her. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but I can't see the stand. But wait, what if I can see the stand? And then we finally get the brilliant revelation. The whole ship is the stand. Suddenly on deck, everyone else is being sucked into the, the metal flooring and just crushed to death. Hang on a minute. What if it's the stand? Yeah. Hang on, but the crew members could see it. What's going on there? Abdul conjectures that maybe because of its enormous strength and size that they could see it. Though yeah. it's later assumed to be a general guideline with stands that ones like this that augment existing physical objects yeah. can be seen by, by normies. <laughs> by normies. Because as we find out at the end of the episode, mm. this is in fact just a shitty little boat yeah. that's been standed up to be a huge... You could say it's stood up to its potential. Sure. <laughs> oh, man. So they're all being crushed to death. Uh, Kakyoin can't use Hierophant Green to find Jojo and Polnareff's like, well, we're fucked. <laughs> Well, we're going to die here by the constriction of literal steel. They're all, like, coughing up blood. It's it's unpleasant for them. Yeah, they're not having a great day. No, no. Back below decks, sort of metal pylons or cabling. Yeah, it's all like pipes. Yeah, piping. Yeah. That's that's a good word. Yeah. They, it all grabs Jojo around all of his limbs and his torso and slams him against the wall, constricting him. And forever emerges once again. This oh, time... Wearing full captain's gear. Now, look, okay, I... Hmm, I do approve of an orangutan captain, but not if he was always an orangutan, <laughs> okay? He's wearing one of those white captain's hat, like what Captain Dragon was wearing last time. Yeah. And also one of those white naval um, officers' dress coats. Totally inconspicuous, I am definitely a captain He's guy. also holding a corncob pipe. And at one point he had, like... A Rubik's Cube. Yeah, which he solved pretty handily. Yeah. And on the red face of it was a picture of an ape wearing a hat. Hey. <laughs> and then he crushed it. Yes. But, you know. Well, it, 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 he'd solved it. It was. It had no more value to him. <laughs> There's no meaning anymore. He figured out it wasn't the Hellraiser puzzle box. <laughs> it wasn't quite the box that he thought it was. So, he emerges. The narrator tells us that... Oh, no, he holds up a dictionary. And he's pointing to the word strength. strength. Meaning force, energy, power, or aid. 
It's the eighth card of the tarot, suggesting challenge, powerful will, and hidden instinct. Hidden instinct. Oh, because he's a he's an ape that has a, a, a stand and certainly powerful will. The yep. So that's subtle. <laughs> so the tarot card strength. Yes. It uh, suggests strength, patience, compassion, and soft control. None of that which, feels no, like no. it's applicable here. Not especially, other than the gorilla's phys- prodigious physical strength. <laughs> the orangutans, rather. That's about it, isn't yeah. it? As we learnt from our listener, Blooper Boy, mm-hmm. uh, soft control is distinguished from hard control. Mm-hmm. In that soft control refers to things like persuasion, or guiding someone, or working with them indirectly. Whereas hard control is just forcing your will. Like punching or someone Or self-mastery. Yeah. Yeah. Through force. Yeah. So really, almost none of these things are applicable. Not really, no. Because it feels like he's exerting some pretty hard control with those pipes. Yeah. Usually we think of strength in physical terms. Big arms, powerful legs. But there is also inner strength. Inner strength comes from an exercise of the heart muscle. It is perseverance, courage, resolve and composure. Qualities that can help us endure when times are tough. Honestly, I think Jojo is showing more of that in this episode than yeah. the orangutan. Yeah, no. The eighth card can be a reminder not to despair or give up. You have the inner strength to endure and triumph. If you are pushing too hard, you need to withdraw for the moment and be patient. If other people or circumstances are driving you crazy, remember the strength that comes with love and forbearance. These will see you through the hardest moments. Wait, withdraw into the wall? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Strength is opposed by the chariot, which suggests hard control, as we discussed, uh-huh. and reinforced by the hanged man, which uh, suggests taking time or patience. And we know that the hanged man is coming. Yes, mm-hmm. he's out there. He's somewhere. He's one out of seven of the seven. I've got the uh, the quote for the strength stand from the Jojo uh, Vele art book here. Forever. Strength. It's a ghost ship. Also, I might have been thinking about the tale of the Mary Celeste, which has was found adrift and unmanned. I might have also made its host a monkey due to influence from the movie Link. Now, Link is a movie about a super intelligent orangutan that turns on its its masters when they try to put it down. Huh. It also features a scene in which um, the orangutan attacks a woman as she's undressing to have a bath. Yeah. Yep. Subtle uh-huh. connections. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jojo tears himself free from the wall and is immediately re-ensnared. And he's like, huh, he thinks he's won. And at this point, he kind of starts monologuing the... Yeah, this is the weird part where we, I thought maybe there's a person stuck in a orangutan. We get body. panning shots of the ship and mm. just everything that's going wrong, and superimposed is a transparent image of the orangutan's face as he's roaring and screeching. And the narrator tells us he's saying, "This ship, the entire thing, is my stand. You're completely lost. You can't do anything." That's what this ape is saying. <laughs> now I don't speak ape, but I'm willing to bet that's not what he's saying. Yeah, you can't argue with the narrator. He's well, never seen us wrong before. Oh, he could start being an unreliable narrator, though. <laughs> so, he looks at Anne again, lips his licks, shoots out a love heart balloon. It's weird. It's weird. And Jojo slowly reaches up, pulls a button off his coat, <gasps> just throws it at the back of his head. He's like, huh, that button's not part of your stand. Fuck you. Yeah, idiot. This, this solves nothing, though. Forever reaches down and picks up the orangutan. The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Forever reaches down and picks up the orangutan, held by the button. Yes. Uh, and looks at it, and Jojo starts goading him in a language that I guess he must understand. I mean, he's a smart monkey. Sorry, ape. He says, you mad? <laughs> I guess it wounded your pride. No, it's not hurt, because apes don't have any pride. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Forever leaps into the air, roaring. Jojo is like, fuck you. I guess that's what makes you an ape. You didn't reckon with the fact that I can shoot my fingers out. And then we get the beautiful, what's it called again? Starfinger. We get Starfinger that happens. Precisely strikes the button still held in the Leaping Forever's hands, ricocheting it from his grip through his forehead. We see a close-up shot of blood welling up and then exploding out of his eyes. Idiot. Take that, you stupid monkey. (laughs) You try to fucking make a planet without the humans. Jojo effortlessly tears himself out of the, um... (laughs) Out of the binding. Like, he doesn't even use his stand when he steps out of it. Yeah, he literally just, goes, just walks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh well. He's we consistently shown himself in this episode to be stronger than an orangutan. Stronger than steel piping yeah. as well. <laughs> his theme kicks in. Uh, the ape backs up and is screaming in a way which, if I didn't find this character so loathsome, would be legitimately quite sort of disturbing. I mean, I still found it disturbing. He's, like, screaming in terror and rips his shirt open. And that, apparently, is indicative. I've heard that when frightened, animals show their stomachs to signal they're giving up. So, you're asking me to forgive you? But you've already broken the rules of being an animal. I don't think so. Fuck you. Aura, 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 aura. There's a punch flurry. The katakana tells us it's saying, wham, 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 wham. At last, the katakana's back. Whamu, 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 whamu. (laughs) And then there's a big haymaker, and he smashed forward through another steel door. They just don't make these freighters like they used to. Well, maybe it's because he's out of strength. Mm. And then, forever being roundly defeated, the ship starts sort of contorting and warping. Like, know. in a weird kind of uh, Escher way. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we're getting out of here on the boats we came on. <laughs> so the re- Later, dog. So the remaining members, who are just our five and Anne. R.I.P. all the sailors. Uh, they head on down back to their uh, boat. Yep. Not seeing how they got out of the mysterious situation of, whoops, we're sinking into the ship and being crushed alive. I guess maybe once it started contorting, they could pull themselves out. You'd think that? You'd hope that. (laughs) But not explained. Well, maybe Jojo came and helped them out. True. He'd literally just throw them out. Jojo doesn't even take the stairs or whatever to get out. He just jumps upwards, bursting through the ceilings as he goes. Dude, he'll just walk through a wall. Yeah. Yeah, he's stronger than this... If he's stronger than everything in this episode... (laughs) No one is stronger than Jotaro Kujo. He just literally walks calmly through a wall yeah. made out of pure reinforced steel. It's just like, hey, hey what up? Yari, yari. <laughs> oh, no. They're drifting away on their life raft again, and they can see the huge freighter contort into just a shitty... It look, almost looks like a sort of... Like a canoe. Yeah, it's just a small little raft boat yeah. thing. I, presumably, the unconscious and or dead body of Forever is on that. I mean, I didn't see it, but sure. Well, it's all from a distance. Yeah. Everyone's re- reclining in the life raft again. Polnareff offers up some yeah. gun. <laughs> well, Joseph is talking about, like, Jojo hadn't figured that out. We'd be done for. We get shots of Kakuin combing his hair and Jojo smoking. And then, in a pause in Joseph's monologue, Polnareff just goes, You want some gum? <laughs> and then he goes, We're drifting again. If we don't get fi- found soon, we're done for. <laughs> Apparently, they just drift yeah. into Singapore. Well, no, we see the map of their journey so far. Yep. It's been four days, 46 days remain, mm-hmm. and we see their their route and we see um, annotations on the map with things like plane crash, ship explosion. Ghost ship. Ghost ship. <laughs> and drifting. And then we have one of those title cards with uh, stand name, strength, stand master forever. Mm-hmm. And we cut back to Dio. 
He's reading, he's shirtless, it's dark. <gasps> he must have very good eyesight to read in the dark all the time. I mean, he is a vampire, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're like, well, strength has been defeated, but don't worry, Dio, there are six remaining stand users out there, and they're all really powerful, and one of them's my son, and he's awesome, and also, check it out, I've got two right hands. But the killer had two right hands! Could Polnareff encounter his sister's killer on this journey? <laughs> that was my girlish scream. <laughs> Very that, girlish. That Polnareff might actually get some more screen time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for some sweet closure. Great. So yeah, I, I think that's a nice way to foreshadow what's to come. Yep. And then we cut back. Uh, we saw, see sort of a montage of their life raft floating by a real freighter this time. Mm-hmm. And then the Singapore skyline and freight ships and a statue of a lion mermaid shooting out water. Which is sweet. And the narrator tells us, Once upon a time, a prince from the land of Sumatra went to sea seeking new lands. He found an island where there were white-maned lions called Singas, and so he named the island Singapura, a country of straits that ships and tankers from around the world pass through, a country whose people share both Western and Eastern heritage thanks to free trade. Singapore. Capitalism. Yeah. I have a, speaking of capitalism, this is off topic, mm-hmm. but I have a going theory that um, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a um, meditation on consumerism versus naturalism. Okay. Because it makes disposable everything that was once sacred in the game, like clothing and horses and swords. Right. <laughs> because everything has durability. Well, clothing doesn't, but you switch it out as you need it. Yeah. I mean, it could just be about technology and how, you know, y- yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> I even got a special sword for beating one of the um, one of the full main milestones of the game. Or mm. special trident, rather. And even that is destructible. Oh. oh. But you can pay to have it repaired, which is capitalism. True. <laughs> Hello. And also the villains are giant metal, or the, I guess the bosses, you'd call them a giant metal robots. Bankers. <laughs> Industry. Like how all the bad guys in Lord of the Rings are really industrial and all the good guys are really natural. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Jojo. Anyway. Yes. They're in Singapore. They're like... Wow, we're finally in Singapore. (laughs) We finally made it here. Joseph suggests they get a hotel room and regroup. And we see... A hotel room. A hotel. The camera pans through the hall. It's room 912, or ninth floor, 12th room, I guess. Okay. Uh, I checked to see if that was the room from The Shining, but it isn't. I was disappointed. So close. I also don't think it's the name of that room from that other Stephen King book, where the guy spends time in a hotel room and it's just terrible. (laughs) And we see... A statue on a bedside. It's got a sort of tribal feel about it, I'd say. Yeah, it's got, like, weird engravings in it. Yeah. And it looks like something that a ventriloquist would use. It's got a little spear on its back. Oh, yeah, it does, yeah. And there's tense music. To be continued! What could the puppet represent? (laughs) Well, what could it represent? We'll get to that shortly. Oh, shit. Highlights and lowlights. Okay, absolute fucking highlight. When the orangutan comes out in a captain's uniform, Mm -hmm. you're kind of like... All right, we're still bizarre. We're still here. <laughs> yeah, that is a good moment. It's like one of the only good moments. Uh, my, for my money, I, I will take, as I talked about a lot before, the just sort of pervasive sense of dread in this episode. I think mm. it sort of really effectively creates a mood in the early parts. Now, what could what could the lowlights of this episode be, I wonder? I don't know. What's I mean, yours? I haven't really gone into anything like this during this episode. So just look, give me a minute to think. Okay, well, my lowlight was... <laughs> Let me guess. Let me guess what another low light would be that isn't that one. All right. I reckon. Actually, you know what? Just the weird, underwhelming nature of the episode. Yeah. 
Where it's like, at every turn, you're like, well, what was the point of this, you know? Between the what was the point of this aspect of it and also the gross stuff, this yeah. is probably, certainly for me, and I think for a lot of other people too, one of the lowest rated sort of JoJo story arcs. And like, what was the point of this ship if it just didn't... Man, you're not just drifting again? Like, they didn't get any food... Although I suppose all their crew died, but they were expendable anyway. They probably would have got off at Singapore anyway. Yeah. So then what? Th- yeah. Mm-hmm. This episode adds nothing but a monkey gorilla that tried to. The fact that yeah. I can't bring myself to wholeheartedly love the fact that this episode's villain is an orangutan whose stand is a ghost ship <laughs> just tells you that it's just really failed in its execution in, mm. in a fair way. I think. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if it's any mo- like because is- that concept for a villain on its face, especially with the captain's uniform and the pipe he wears, is just so JoJo. But I just hate all the creepy stuff they do with it. Yeah, but I wonder if it's any better or worse in the manga than it is in the anime. I can't recall honestly, because like the manga wouldn't have any sound. To be, it wouldn't have the licking lips. It wouldn't have the lingering shots of Anne's nude bod throughout all the fight and everything. It lasts just a little bit more than a couple seconds. Yeah. So, honestly, I did kind of skim this chap- these chapters when I read it. Mm, you're just like... <sighs> yeah. I really wish I liked this episode more than I did, but it just doesn't do it for me because of all the stuff that I've gone on at length about. However, consider this. The monkey wears a captain's... Sorry, <laughs> ape. Wears a captain's uniform and smokes a pipe and solved a Rubik's... And game. a cigarette, too. Oh, yeah, it did... Yeah. And red Playboy. <laughs> Maybe that's why Jojo could beat him up. His lungs were just <laughs> blackened with tar. They say that orangutans have five times the strength of humans when they're not smokers. Mm. But Jojo's a smoker too. Oh, shit. So they're on an even playing field. <laughs> yes. Yep. It'd be great if um, in some of the action scenes in this series, Jojo can't keep up with the others. like, guys, <laughs> I'm a smoker. Wait for me. Either that or he like hides it. He's like, no, I'm good. Maybe that's why he has such a, a raspy voice all the time. Oh, good grief. Oh, yep. No, I'm good. I want to ask you, Nick Ballantyne, uh-huh. yep. what do you think is going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3 at Stardust Crusaders in the episode entitled Ebony Devil? Okay, let's get real for a second. My predictions last time were completely off the mark because I did not assume there would be an orangutan and a captain's uniform mm-hmm. or just a ghost ship. <laughs> so Ebony Devil. Ebony Devil. Ebony Devil. Hotel room, puppet thing. I reckon, what year did Chucky come out? Before this was made. Yeah, because we could have a Chucky situation. Mm, A classic Chucky scenario. (laughs) Oh, classic Chuck. Uh, Yeah, so I reckon it's probably going to be a Chucky scenario where it's like, the stand uses somewhere else, but he uses his puppet from afar. Okay. Kind of like Hierophant Green. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, they're going to get to the hotel and be like... Of course, they will get the one room that has the stand puppet in it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Unless there's in multiple rooms. Ooh. Well, I mean, he can control a puppet. He can control multiple puppets. What if every room has a puppet? That'd be terrifying. It would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> Welcome to Chucky 3. But what if they could only function in those hotel rooms? Ooh, that would suck. <laughs> okay, if we leave the hotel, we'll be safe. And then it just walks out the hotel and you're like, ah, well, turns out stands actually are consistent. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be, they have to find where the stand user is and he's going to be in one of the hotel rooms. But then the main problem will be but which room is he in? <laughs> oh, no. And then he'll probably be in They room... have to go and like do some conning down at reception. To exactly. Try and get... Yeah. Uh, they'll get down there. Receptionist is dead. It's like, oh, no. The receptionist is dead. Quick, hack the computer. 
don't worry, Hierophant Green will hack the computer. Yeah. Oh no, because Joseph could... Hermit Purple through the... Yeah, he could do Hermit Purple and like see where he is. Mm. And be like, he's in this room with this. And then when they look out a window, they're like, hmm, that means he must be on this floor or something. Yeah, yeah. And I want him to be in room 666 quite badly. <laughs> and then have an Iron Maiden reference, but... Ah, oh, yes. The number of the beast. The number of the beast, indeed. Uh, 666. I yep. don't know any other lyrics of that song. <laughs> no one ever does. Hell, uh, is it Hell and Fire are about to be released? Hell and Fire. Are born to be released. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I reckon that's basically what's gonna happen. That seems like a solid prediction. And yet, and yet after Ghost Ship Orangutan <laughs> Captain, I have no idea. <laughs> so we got some listener mail this week. Oh! <gasps> Uh, this is something that I was actually asked on Twitter in the lead up to this episode. Uh, I'm going to be a little brief in my response to it because we like to keep things fairly lighthearted on the show. Mm-hmm. And this is a pretty serious question. Uh-huh. Comes from uh, James, who asks, Do you think Jojo has ever treated the subject of assault with respect? I think there's something fundamentally lacking personally. Sorry if it's difficult to answer on Twitter. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so it, it is a pretty heavy, heavy conversation. Assault. Um, I think... For a lot of the show, it doesn't do a lot of it great, as we saw in this episode. I am more willing to not necessarily be forgiving of, but overlook examples like this that occurred Mm. that were written further long ago, though there are some things in more recent parts that still Mm. sort of make me rather uncomfortable and not not in a... It's difficult to ask. Not in a, this is trying to create an air of dread, uncomfortable. Yeah, it's difficult because you have the fine line between, oh, well... You know, you kind of want to portray it as, oh, this is going to end really badly. Mm. But also you don't want to be like, yeah, but uh, let's just keep looking. Let's just keep on watching. Honestly, I think one of the best examples of it, to my mind, are the thing is the thing that happens in the first episode where Dio forcibly kisses Arena. Yeah. Because I feel like, A, from a viewer perspective, that is less... Um, Intense. Yeah, it's less gross um, <laughs> because, you it's, know, there's economies kiss. of scale there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although from Victorian mores, especially for a high society lady, that may have still been quite shocking. Oh, absolutely. And also Arena immediately engages in an act of self-actualization afterwards by mm. washing her mouth with the filth water to get rid of Dio's disgusting musk. Also the fact that it's like, it's not treated quite as lightly as a lot of other things mm. in the series. Like you have, uh, I reckon in that entire first part, like anytime anyone's punched in the head, apart from the zombies... It's generally like, oh shit, he, he got punched in the head. Like when Dio punched oh, yeah. Jonathan in the head and it was all like... When he, he used his, uh, his special thumb cheating yeah. boxing technique. Exactly. You know, anything like that in the first part was like, oh yeah, it's pretty, you know, true to life. Second part was pretty fun. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I also think an example of where using sexual assault as a way of um, creating a sense of threat works in this series is with the first villain of part four. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to give you too many details, but for the listener, he is a despicable person, even by the metrics of Jojo villains. And I think in a world like this, where stylized ultraviolence is... The name of the game. Yeah. Um, that character's backstory does effectively create the image of them as an especially despicable person. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think it's like... One of the things that keeps coming in throughout the entire show is that of bodily autonomy. Mm. So like... Anytime that is brought up in a non-trivial way, you're just like, oh yeah, that's right. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) But at the same time, 90% of the things that go on in this show aren't exactly concerned with bodily autonomy. No, no. Uh, And we have one more letter. Okay. On on a much lighter note. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. This comes from Chu, uh, who asks, 
I wanted to bring up something about Jotaro's character early on that kind of gets lost in the anime versus the manga, which is his little stats page. Not sure if you're keeping Nick an anime pure boy, Liam, but in the event you aren't, I sent an attachment of a translated page where it covers things like his favourite musician, athlete, colour, etc. Why did I not get to see this? His favourite colour is apparently anything transparent because he's a huge fucking weirdo. <laughs> anything transparent yep. <laughs> what a fucking idiot <laughs> no wonder they're just like you need to go to school Jojo okay you need to go like what's your favourite colour transparent fucking Jojo that's such a teenager thing to say Jesus Christ I just thought it was interesting because the personality part of that page really does sort of support the idea brought up several episodes ago that he acts like a stoic badass, but he's really just a big, very big and broad dingus teenager <laughs> who is bad at communicating and loves his mum's goodbye kisses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've, I've pulled a quote um, from that page there of what it says about his personality. Mm. Jotaro doesn't think it's necessary to deliberately show emotions. He assumes that anyone can tell what he's feeling just by looking at them. Sometimes it causes misunderstandings between people. People often think he is cold and rebellious and doesn't care about anything. <laughs> Wait, so his whole bad boy image is just him being like, oh, everyone knows what I'm thinking. Yeah. So he's really just completely, like, spaced out. <laughs> he is, what's his name? Tamu, uh, Takumi from Initial D, who's the main oh, character. I don't know. Who's always spaced out. Whenever you see him, he's like, ooh. Like, there's, like, a shot where they're meeting, like, this girl for the first time. They're like, oh, she's beautiful. And then there's him in the background just going... <laughs> and also one other thing other than the um thing about his colour on that page that I found quite funny was mm. it lists his likes. You know, you, oh, no. it doesn't have dislikes, but it has yeah. likes. And the likes is books about planes and ships. <laughs> he really is just a massive idiot. <laughs> yeah. Everyone thinks it's like, oh he's such a bad boy. It's like, no, he's what just dweeb. He's just a dumb <laughs> fool. <laughs> so yeah, that's Jotaro. <laughs> wow. And that's our episode. Oh, man. Um, we did fall a bit behind with our correspondence uh, over the last few weeks, what with the break and also yep. just the longer episodes we're running. Although we are now trying to get through the backlog a bit, if you have an email. Um, again, we don't promise we'll answer every email, email on the show. But yeah, if it's why do you guys suck, we might not answer If you that. have one, it may still be coming in the backlog, so keep an ear out. And if you do want to correspond with us, uh, you can reach us at jojospodcast at gmail.com or the same on Twitter. You can also check out our website where I post every episode. And I also hope you enjoyed our uh, bonus episode last week, the pilot of Late to the Mario Party. Uh, we have not done anything with that project since we recorded the pilot, but hearing from listeners that they liked it might induce us to do more. Go on then. <laughs> and thank you to Nick Ballantyne for providing the theme music for that. Wait, what was the song that I can't remember. Excellent. <laughs> Sorry. Until next time. To, to be, be continued. continued.